Welcome to the Wildcast Podcast, coming to you from Wildcast Studios with your hosts, Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher. Welcome back to another episode of the Wildcast Podcast, your unofficial voice for all things Moncton Wildcats. As always, I am your host, Adam Lund, and I am joined in studio again by your favorite co-hoster, Mass Singer Aficionado, and I guess now Big Brother Canada Aficionado, Mr. Boucher. How you doing? Very good, sir. You finally threw in your, your last name there. Yeah, I really, I was going through it today, and I was like, I should probably put my last name there. Yeah, in case people need to know who you are. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, here we are. Uh, still, still in the orange phase. For now, we'll get For to that now. in a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, since we talked last week, uh, there were, you know, zero cases. Uh, and uh, I Which do when wa- was the last time that happened? Yeah, it was actually December the 20th. I First went- of all, when was the last time we were in the studio back-to-back weeks right. with zero cases? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I did before, uh, was it last It was last Tuesday when we had zero cases. Prior to that was December the 20th. Uh, and I, I did say something uh, on last week's show that I kind of have to correct myself on, but at the same time, it almost looks as if I was psychic. So I said last week something about Zone 7 and the outbreak in Zone 7. Well, Zone 7 is actually the Miramichi region. Right. When I actually, what I actually meant was Zone 4. <laughs> but ever since then, where have the most cases <laughs> been from? The Miramichi. <laughs> uh, what are you guys doing up there? So I don't know if I'm, you know, some sort of a psychic because honestly, like every... Of all the zones, all the seven zones in the province, I think, you know, the Miramichi zone has been the best Yeah, uh, throughout the entire... Well, isn't, isn't that where the vaccine is? That's where the initial... Right. You know... Was there because kind of everybody could go there. Yeah. So that's where the initial, uh, you know, vaccine clinic was. But, I mean, I think the whole... I'm not sure on the on their, on their numbers here, but... Uh, you know, uh, I don't... I think... I don't think they've gone over 10 cases the entire pandemic. Uh, and here we are now. They've got five cases in uh, in you know two days. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully this doesn't um, you know uh, take us away from our our yellow uh, progression. Uh, but it uh, you know if it does, then you know we can all go yellow. Maybe she can hold off a little bit. Yeah, they've had uh, active cases since uh, during the entire pandemic. Fourteen in the entire zone since march of last year so that's pretty good uh that's uh wow yeah that's the lowest i think and because bathurst has been pretty low too but they you know, they've had 27 so that's the lowest of all the zones in uh in the province so they've done very well hopefully uh you know what they've got going on there up now uh up there right now can can uh, kind of ease off a little bit because uh, yeah i wouldn't mind uh Hockey, you know, t- tuning up that uh, some cold play, you know, <laughs> we're all yellow, uh, you know, on Sunday at uh, midnight Monday morning. Uh, I'd love to play that song because you know, you know, I probably request that on every radio station Monday morning. Yeah, it might be the lead to next week's show. Who knows? Could be. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to be here. You, we got some uh, shows to talk about. We got our pulp uh, cu- pulp culture part of the show. Yes, uh, Hell's Kitchen. Uh, last week I said Lauren was just hanging on. Man, just couldn't cook the steak for an extra two minutes, and that was, that was it. But I think she, I think she was gonna go home regardless. I think she was kind of at her, her end. So uh, that leaves us with Mark, Adam, Amber, Cody, Declan for Team Blue, Nikki, Jordan, Mary Lou, and Corey for Team Red. Um, 
it's getting down to it. Uh, Declan- I, still, I still like my final four. I still like Declan and Cody, and I still like um, Amber and uh, and Mary Lou. That's as my final. No, it's not not Amber. Sorry, Corey. Corey. Corey, Mary Lou, Declan, and Cody as my as my final four. Yeah, I still think I'm still. I mean, I was going for Lauren, um, so I'm out on Team Red. Uh, but I still I still am pumping Declan's tires. He just I think he's got a chance to. He just looks like a leader. Um, I think Corey would be the woman I would probably go with. Um, but I mean, they can all, it was, it was weird to see no, no service. Do they usually do that at about this point? You know, there's always something like that on every, uh, every season. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it always, I always see it coming. So I don't know if uh, like these, these chefs might, must be completely clueless and, and never watched a season of Hell's Kitchen before. <laughs> it does seem like when you because watch reality it's, shows. It's just, you know, they have to see this coming yeah. and uh, they don't. So it's, uh, unless they're very good actors and they just pretend, oh no. no. Yeah. Uh, but I, I see, I saw it coming. It happens every season. <laughs> the director's like, okay, we're going to do that twist thing. Remember, fake that you don't know it's coming. Yeah. Even though we're on season 19 and you've probably seen this. Pretend you've never seen this before. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, I've, I mean, at least once, yeah. at least once a year. And they always do a thing where, um, uh, the chefs take a turn at, uh, running the pass and the, uh, sous chef. So the, uh, blue haired guy, I forget his name. And I think it's Christina. That's the shoe chef on the red team. They'll purposely like sabotage the food. So when, when the, when they're on the pass, they have to taste it and try to pick out what the, uh, oh. right. So they might take, uh, you know, they might substitute, uh, you know, uh, lobster for crab or something like that. Right. And the chef has to be able to taste it. And if not, they kind of, you know, looks and makes them look bad, but that's some, that's probably uh, a little further on in, into the season. Right. But I mean, they should be, they should expect that. And speaking of multiple seasons, uh, big brother Canada is back tonight. Uh, I guess you're the, I mean, when Chris was here, you guys—it was your guys' gig. You guys were the watchers of it. I've seen one episode or one season of Big Brother. It was the very first one in America. The girl with the purple hair got screwed over by the guy's town, and I never watched it again. So, uh, I guess this is your time. Uh, do we have any maritime hopefuls? And what are you expecting? Uh, so, so I've, lo- I've looked through the cast. Uh, doesn't appear to be any maritimers. There is a. Uh, uh, a Newfoundlander, I believe, uh, by the name of uh, Tina from Paradise. He's a graphic designer. Ooh. Uh, so, I, I, you know, it's uh, you probably want my prediction of who I think is going to win here. Uh, when I first saw the house guest list, uh, I liked to look at this Ethan guy. Uh, but ever since, you know, the list came out, we've, we've learned that Le- Ethan will no longer be on the show, uh, because of some allegations that, uh, were brought forward from his past. Check your past kids. If you're yeah. going to be on these TV shows. Yeah. Uh, make sure you've, uh, you know, not called anybody inappropriate words and, or been uh, inappropriate, been inappropriate, uh, during your years in high school. Uh, so yes, he was replaced by Kyle Moore. He's a, uh, hockey coach from, uh, Red Deer, Alberta, uh, and a former member of the, uh, I'm thinking he's, uh, he was a hockey player as well. Uh, he's got an eliteprospects.com page. Oh. Uh, so he's a former member of the University of Lethbridge. Uh, Pronghorns. Uh, is it that? Is that what they're called? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So he played for them uh, in the 2015-2016 uh, season. 
eight games, and then in the 2016-2017 season played two games. Previously was with the Olds Grizzlies of the uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League. Uh, and then uh, prior to that played is uh, looks like would that be midget du- midget double A with the Red Deer Pro Stitch, and uh, and then some junior A with the Princeton Posse, which I think is a pretty good name. <laughs> um, so yes, he he's going to be entering as a uh, we're taking uh, Ethan's spot um, in the house. Uh, but you know, just looking at the uh, house guest list, uh, if I were to pick a favorite, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Rohan. Uh, from uh, from Toronto, a strategic partnerships manager. Uh, I don't think he's going to tell the house guests that he's a strategic partnerships manager uh, because that will tell them automatically that he mm-hmm. can, you know, uh, do kind of the uh, different sides of, uh, you know, play the, play the house. Uh, and, you know, kind of reminds me of, uh, of a Paul from uh, Big Brother USA. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if this guy makes it, you know, final two, uh, and then just loses because of bad, bad jury management. So right. um, I'll, I'll just, I'll just pick him. But uh, I, I think he'll go far in the show. Uh, but I think it'll come down to just the way he, he treats everybody that uh, he, he'll end up probably losing. Yeah, and I mean, now that we're hopefully going to have back-to-back shows every week, you know, maybe we'll get our former co-host Chris on here, and you guys can have your little Big Brother segment for all the fans because I can't, uh, I can't help. Anyone, um, if I'm going to pick one just randomly, uh, let's go with uh, we'll go with Tara Gillen-Petrosi. There you go. I'll just pick that name off the top of the hat uh, just by looking at pictures. Um, yeah, and, I mean, we started this pop culture with the Love of the Mass singer. Uh, there's going to be some changes for the show. Um, did you know there might be a Canadian Mass singer? I did not know that, no. Yeah. So if that you, is news to me. If you Mass Singer and just click on Mass Singer Wikipedia, this thing is worldwide. Like uh, Canada could, it says season one, fall of 2021 with a question mark. Um, but I mean, Germany's had four seasons. Uh, Indonesia's had four seasons. Italy's had f- two. Hmm. Uh, Mexico's had three. There was uh, Thailand. This is massive in Thailand. They're already up to season 10. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's, we're at season five now. So again, all the co-hosts are coming back. Ken Jong, Jenny McCarthy, uh, Nicole Schissinger and Robin Thicke. But what's changing is where was that? Uh, yeah. So for the first time, the show will feature unnumbered of wild card rounds. These rounds will feature new mass celebrities introduced during the run of the show. These wildcasts take the stage at the end of the show for a chance to unseat another contestant in the group and join the race. Hmm. So they're going to have um, 10 non-wildcard, 10 nine-wildcard uh, contestants split into two groups of five, and the wildcards we're not going to know until they show up. So putting a little bit of, div- of a different spin because, I mean, it would get boring watching the same yep, style of show over and over again. So I'm again, a big fan of change. I like change. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to know who these uh, – they have not yet been revealed. They probably won't be revealed until – I would guess the lead up on the commercial of you're, you're not going to believe this happened with oh, yeah. this random per random uh, mass. So it should be, it should be interesting to try and figure out who these, you know, people are as well as, uh, as wild cards. So as always, you can follow us on Twitter, Moncton Wildcast and Instagram Wildcast podcast for anything hockey related and our pop culture. Uh, so now let's get to, we're going to have no quick questions. So let's get to news and notes from around the queue. 
clues and notes from around the queue. Well, we're going to have hockey. We're going to finally maybe... Every time you do that, I think of Superstore, that kid. <laughs> Bo? Yeah. <laughs> He's my favorite, man. That guy, yeah. that guy puts me on my knees every time he opens his mouth. <laughs> Starts the show off buying a wedding ring for like 10 bucks. <laughs> you want this $30 one? All right. <laughs> <laughs> God, that kid. Uh, I did finish season one, but yeah. Um, provided that Moncton has a good spring break, we're going to be back to yellow March 8th, which means... All three teams in the province can get back to playing hockey against one another. Uh, we had the schedule drop earlier. Moncton has eight games, four versus each team. Um, beginning the march to the playoffs on the 11th here at home against Bathurst with fans. Oh, yeah. With fans. I think that's probably the most surprising part is the fact that we're going to have fans. The Maritime Division, uh, let's be honest, these teams, they didn't get a government handout. You know, like the Quebec teams. I think every the the Quebec teams got a million dollars each or something like that. Million dollars split, I believe. Split. Okay, my bad. A million dollars each would be so serious. (laughs) Um, So yeah, like they're getting that sort of revenue. Um, And so yeah, that that's that's why we need fans in the stands uh, here in the Maritimes because you know we don't get any uh, handouts from the government or anything like that. So you know what? Um, Again, this goes back to my you know, like I said, there's still you know we're still. Six days away from uh, from orange or mm-hmm. yellow, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, and you know, eight days away from from the first game on on home ice, a lot can happen. Uh, you know, at this point, you really just have to keep your fingers crossed and and hope. Uh, you know, we can we can get into these, you know, get into that building and 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 watch some hockey. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, we the maritime teams would not play uh, unless they have that. You know the 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 gate revenue. Yeah. Uh, so that's you know that we need the fans in the in the stands. Uh, the re- the remaining schedule they're at home on March thirteenth. Uh, then they go on the road, uh, the seventeenth of March, and the they come back home on the twentieth, on the road in St. John on the twenty first, uh, on the road in Bathurst on the twenty fourth, at home on the twenty sixth, and in Bathurst on the twenty eighth. So it should eight games. You know you're hoping to go. Five and three, but you know, I don't even care what they go. Let's just—I'm just excited to play hockey and talk about Same. actual games, right? Same. Like, uh, it's it's going to be nice, you know. It's—I uh, think I forget how to tweet during the games, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, you'll have to give me a quick refresher on that one. Um, we'll just watch the scrimmage again and practice. Yeah, yeah. yeah live. <laughs> we'll get into that. Live tweet the scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. uh, when it was <laughs> live tweet the, the scrimmage every day. Yeah. Uh, just as a just as a practice run. Uh, but no, it, it's going to be really fun uh, to get back into that building, and uh, you know we've we've seen from Neil Hodge, the players are, are super excited, uh, the Wildcats front office is super excited, uh, and you know the fans are, are super excited. You know, you know it's uh, finally, right? It's been uh, you know since November fourteenth. Yep. Uh, that the Wildcats played. Uh, geez, I don't even know what Dakota Lund Cornish shutout streak is at right now. Like. Uh, <laughs> You know, 106 days. <laughs> yeah, to, you know, like that. so uh, it's uh, it's something something serious, and uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Uh, you know, the boys up in Bathurst are fired up. We're fired up. Uh, a 
does St. John even have a podcast? No. Tozer, I guess. Maybe. Tozer's fired up. Tozer's yeah. fired up too. He was on Global News the other day. Sweet uh, background too. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was like, how many little hockey dudes do you collect? <laughs> like, looked like he had all of Team Canada up there. Yeah. So it's 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 a good uh, you know. I guess it all comes back to my rant last week. You know, it's uh, when Boucher talks, the people listen, <laughs> right? Uh, and it's, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, I, technically. I have that pull. I have the pull with the government, you know. it's uh, I, They listen to, they clearly listen to the show. Uh, they heard what I said. They say, you know what, this guy makes a lot of sense. We'll sit down and, and you know, we'll meet with the teams and, and, and maybe come up with a plan. And little did we know, you know, they had a... The province had a press conference on Friday and, you know, they were saying we'd be yellow on... on March the eighth. So yep. it's uh, it's amazing what I what I can manage to pull off when I uh, when I passionately speak on the, on the podcast and uh, you know I even now said, about that you you have pull with the New Brunswick government right? No, that's that's where I'm I'm, I'm getting there now. Yeah. Uh, we'll put a bow on this. Uh, stay tuned to the Wildcats Twitter and, and Instagram stuff for ticket updates because all the games got moved around so. I mean, there's going to be different games for different tickets, so they'll have all that information because I'm not even going to try and figure out because, A, I don't have to, and, B, it looks like a lot of work to figure out what games are for what. Um, so while it's good news for New Brunswick teams, uh, well, in the Maritime Division, we're only allowed to apparently have three teams playing at once, it seems. Uh, it's not so much good news for the Islanders and the Mooseheads. They were postponed for a couple weeks due to COVID-19, leaving the poor Eagles without a province and a place to play. Uh so, like I said, you got pull with the New Brunswick government. What happened with the Nova Scotia government? Well, this is this is where what I said earlier about how you know I, I praised the Nova Scotia government last week, and I praised the PEI government last week. Boy, how things can change in seven days. Gave That's why I head. said earlier, keep your fingers crossed because you know this 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 virus can can take a turn for the worst. Uh, you know, just with the flick of a finger. Yep. Um, so yeah, we got the, the Moosehead shut down for a month. They can't play games for a month. Um, the, the Charlottetown Islanders are out for, I think it's two weeks, I think. But this is where I kind of want to get into it again, <laughs> because the Nova Scotia government was so concerned about this, about community transmission, uh, that, you know that's why they made these, uh, you know, these decisions to to, you know, shut down the mooseheads and shut down sports events and stuff for a month. Since they made that announcement, there have been zero cases, which are labeled as under investigation, which would be community transmission. They're all close contacts of previous cases or they're travel related. Right. So these people are already self-isolating. Fortunately, I watched the Nova Scotia press conference today uh, and their chief medical officer, uh, Dr. Strang said, things are looking promising. Uh, we may be able to lift restrictions before March 26th or 27th, whenever it was. Uh, so that's that sounds like good news, hopefully, for the Mooseheads. You know, obviously, they, they're going to have another press conference on Friday. Um, you know, so I'm sure they'll kind of look at look how things are going up until Friday. Hopefully, we can get the Mooseheads back, you know, a lot sooner than, than March, uh, the end of March. 
Same thing on PEI. Um, you know, the concerns on PEI are a little more um, concerning uh, given the size of their province. But, uh, you know, they've got uh, 20 or 20 something cases. Uh, Martin from Gatineau was, was, you know, ranting on Twitter about how, oh, you know, 20 cases shouldn't result in, in the team being shut down. Well, Martin, let's, let's be honest. I mean, the population of PEI is 150,000 people. Yeah. Um, you know, that would be basically, if you want to look at it, you look at Moncton and Riverview and Dieppe, I'm pretty sure if you put all those three, all of us together, I think it's like 175,000 people. If there was suddenly 20 cases in Moncton, Riverview, and Dieppe, we would be shut down as well. Uh, so it's look. I don't think he understands. He's been to PEI before because you know he, I know he was at the draft, but uh, I just don't know. I don't think he understood the kind of the you know per capita yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Of, of of cases to, to population. So that's the concern on the island right now. Uh, I think what they say they did something like. 10,000 tests since Friday, which, I mean, to me, that's that's almost the entire population of PEI. No, <laughs> joking aside, yeah. but that's a lot of tests. And, I mean, they had a press conference today where they announced four new cases and there's still 2,000 tests pending, right? So, you know, of, of those 2,000 tests, you know, you, that's, you know, that there, there could be, I mean, there's not going to be 2,000 positives, hope to God, but... No, God. Um, but you know what I mean, right? It's yeah, uh, yeah. there's there's definitely more concern right now uh, on the island, uh, and you know I was I I, I was going to go a little hard, uh, rant wise uh, to, uh, on this <laughs> on this part right here, especially towards the Nova Scotia government. That was until I watched their press conference earlier today, and they said you know they'll look at things on Friday and make a decision. I don't see the concern in P- in Nova Scotia right now. I don't see the concern in Halifax right now. Uh, there was, you know, when they have a big company like the Irving Shipyard, uh, and I think that's where things started. Uh, at the Irving Shipyard, there was concern that, you know, 1,500 employees in that one building, mm-hmm. how it could spread. And I think there's only one or two employees that ended up being positive. So it, it's uh, it, it's it's a lot. The news in Halifax is a lot better uh, than, uh, you know, than what the start of the week looked like. Which is good. So hopefully, you know, by uh, the middle of March, uh, you know, we might be able to get some Eagles and Mooseheads games. Uh, I think the Islanders might need to to set out for you know a couple a couple more weeks. So um, fingers crossed. We've got all the maritime teams playing at the uh, the end of March, and you know, I'm not too sure about this bubble, this Atlantic bubble thing. Um, we might have to do two months of uh, New Brunswick games against New Brunswick teams. I just don't think I don't think the Atlantic bubble will be a, a thing again until mid to late April. Uh, so let's just enjoy some games against the the Teton, the Sea Dogs, <laughs> and uh, you know get those uh, those two uh, that season series out of the way, and then we'll focus on uh, Charlottetown, Halifax, and, and Cape Breton when we uh, when we get the chance. Yeah, because they wanted to get sixty games in for a regular season. I don't know if we're going to get that. If the bubble doesn't open till late April, eh, that's close to, like, I mean, we don't know what's happening in the OHL. The WHL is, uh, BC just got approval to have two, two uh, protective environments. Um, 
So if there's no Memorial Cup because the OHL isn't playing, we can extend the season a little bit longer. Hopefully we can have a bubble by the time, uh, the Atlantic bubble by the time we get to what can be constructed as playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like if we got to just play three teams and three teams and that's your season and then you can cross in to make playoffs, then okay, it is what it is. But when did we go from certain different zones, and we're not going to turn this into a COVID podcast, but when did we go from breaking up in different zones and this zone's in orange and this zone's in yellow and this zone's here and here to when something happens in the province, the whole province is shut down. Like, it just seems like, you know, like if it's bad in Halifax, I mean, which is tough because there's only three teams, but if it's, you know, why shut down the whole province when you can just divide it into zones is kind of, is what I didn't, it just kind of seems like it switched all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Uh, I think, I think that only happened kind of, uh, you know, at, at Christmas time and the holidays where, you know, it wasn't the entire province red at one point. Yeah. I think uh, so. And, like I said, you know, Mayor Rashid was sitting on, you know, zero cases for an entire month and they were still in red. Right. So I think it was more or less just to, uh, wasn't a warning, wasn't a warning from the government. It was more like to, you know, start, start, you know, doing your part. Uh, because, you know, the, if you don't, this is what can happen, kind of thing. Uh, but you know, we've it's been it's progress, right? Because it's 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 not when, you know, if if something happens in Miramichi in the next week, mm-hmm. um, I I don't think it's going to affect the entire province. Uh, it's I might I think I hopefully it only affects their zone, because uh, you got to look at you know last summer and I think it was the end of June where you know Campbellton had that outbreak, right? Um, the whole province was yellow. Yeah. Uh, and they had that outbreak up in Campbellton and, and, you know, their zone, I think it's five, um, shut her down, shut her down. They went yeah. to orange. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that was kind of the first setback, um, from when they started introducing these, these colors. Uh, so it's, it's not a, you know, it's not, uh, it doesn't happen where it's, you know, if one zone, uh, kind of has sees an increase in cases that, you know, the whole province gets set back. I think it's, that was more or less, uh, you know, a Christmas, New Year's kind of thing where, you know, <laughs> the whole province got out of hand. Yeah. Uh, and that's, True. you know, I, I'm just hoping, you know, it, this is kind of the last setback, right? It, not necessarily setback, but this is like, once we go to yellow, I want to stay in yellow. Yeah. You know, I don't want to see us in orange or red again or, or even lockdown for that matter. Uh, I want to see us, you know, <laughs> low case counts screw off variants go to hell uh i got a lot of uh messages about your potato variant uh, potato variant and the blue nose variant well that's what that's what's going on in the island right now right yeah uh, it's the this potato yeah. variant and the and the blue nose variant but that's you know once we go to yellow i want to stay in yellow uh i i don't want any of these restrictions again like no we'd actually like to watch this over with we'd actually like to watch hockey in march right yes march so, april may yeah uh I, I want to be drunk on my birthday inside the <laughs> Avenir Center. Even if it's the middle of May, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'd be interesting to uh, to talk to the commissioner and see if he has a – and he probably doesn't because everything's changing, whether it's a game amount or a date amount. And you finish by this date, and then we're going to go with, with playoffs. But, uh, you know, we haven't talked about Team of the Week, so because there was a Maritime player on Team of the Week, uh, we're just going to wrap up the, the news with uh, Zach LaRue. For Halifax, he had two games, four points. Uh, Maverick Bork, Sean Element were the forwards. Sean LaRoche, Rochelle, sorry. Uh, and 
Who was the defenseman? Louis Crevier and Alex Shank to round out the goaltending. So that was your team of the week. Uh, so now we're going to bring back a segment we brought back last week from the preseason. We're going to get a view from the other bench. View from the other bench. All right, like I said, we brought this back last week. Uh, we did it kind of in the preseason. It was a lot of fun. So we thought, you know what? Let's do it all over again. But this time we're going to go to the other wrestling super fan we know and play-by-play vo- play play voice of the Gate Breton Eagles, our friend, Pat McNeil. Pat, how are you doing? Doing good. And I assume since you brought it up, you're already aware of the big move, the end of the Wednesday Night Wars, just hours before we record this. I am not aware of that. What uh, What's happening? Break it up on me. What's that? I said, you're, you're breaking up on me. I couldn't hear you. I said, I'm not aware of the news. What happened? XT moving to Tuesdays. Oh, all right. <laughs> I, thought, I thought maybe AEW was folding or something all of a sudden. <laughs> that would be somewhat substantial. That can't happen before Shaq gets his payday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for this, uh, this Randy Orton soldier boy uh, match oh. at SummerSlam. <laughs> I, you know what? I just saw something about Soldier Boy, and I just, I, I have no idea. I you. just, I mean, it'd probably be better than what's going on with the Fiend, right? That's just horrible. <laughs> yeah, apparently Soldier Boy uh, called somebody's rap fake as WWE, and you know, Randy Orton late at night with nothing left to do, just kind of went after him, <laughs> and Soldier Boy was like, "I stand behind what I said," and he's like, "Randy Orton's like, well, we're basically stunt coordinators for two hundred days a year, but you're welcome to come into our world and." Yeah, it's it was quite fun. Oh, wow. If yeah, hey, Bad Bunny's doing it. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> Jesus, I saw that from one of the pay per views I was watching, and I was I think it was Royal Rumble, and I was like, "What is this crap?" Uh, I guess just before we get into hockey, I mean, Lashley winning the title last night on Raw. Uh, we had Aiden on last week, and he kind of thought the Miz was going to have a little bit of a longer run so that Drew McIntyre could have his moment um, in SoFi. Uh, with a full crowd, but I mean, this kind of sets up Lashley Lesnar, does it not? Uh well, or Lashley Drew, perhaps. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. I know Aiden had some sort of long-term booking that made sense, but obviously, whatever he was proposing is not going to happen now. But <laughs> he didn't. Have... I I can't remember if I told you this, but I wanted to credit a friend of mine after uh, after the the weekend performed at the Super Bowl. He said, "Finally, we hear blinding lights played at Raymond James Stadium." <laughs> yeah. That's is that Drew McIntyre's song? No, that was the weekend. That was the theme for the last WrestleMania that was supposed to be in Tampa Bay. Was that the? Was it? Yeah, that was WrestleMania 36 theme. Oh, I didn't know what the theme was from way back. That's what then. it was, and then oh. he performed it at the halftime show. Okay, that's which what... to tie into hockey, we actually watched on the bus, so we were wearing masks. So I think we can say we were at the largest legal Super Bowl gathering <laughs> in the province. Yeah, yeah, you you might possibly have been in that. That's. It's funny, other little piece of trivia. The only two times Tampa's been in the Super Bowl, it's been Canadian halftime performances. Uh, when they were Would it in have been Shania the yeah, last time? Shania in 2002 in, in San Diego, where I don't know if she sang, but her track sounded great. Um, and then, and then, <laughs> well, further trivia on that is you said that was 2002? Yeah. Well, 2003. She did, yeah. Or 2003. Yeah. She did the Grey Cup, I think, 2002, because I remember she did them back to back. It was the yeah. first and only time that it ever happened. And that was, I think her performance there was even worse because I remember correctly, <laughs> it was in Edmonton and it was a lot colder and somehow guitar players could play these awesome licks with uh, with gloves. So 
Funny how that works. Yeah, it's weird how that uh, how that happens. But um, I mean, as much fun as we like talking to you about anything other than hockey. Um, <laughs> well, fi- there's no hockey going on. I was <laughs> yeah, talking about. Right? That's that's true. I mean, you finally get a bit of a rest, and it looks like a much needed rest for the Eagles uh, as you're a half Q team, half call ups, which makes a lot of <laughs> sense because you don't even have a province to play from. Um, so, just how welcomed, other than the fact that you got shut down, is this little breakup to heal up? Yeah, you know what? I don't even think anybody is pretending to be fully upset about it. Obviously, the reasons for it are, you know, we want everybody to be healthy, we want everybody to stay yeah. safe. But in terms of the effect on the ice, most guys would tell you it's a good break because, as you said, the, the roster's running thin and there were nights you're addressing six call-up players. So it was uh, – or had six guys out of the lineup, I should say, with injury. So, you know, in a year where you're carrying a smaller roster and, and the caliber of players being out hurts too because, you know, if you know anything about this Eagles team, the 20-year-olds, Baker and LaRose on the back end, and we had a rotation of the two of them being out. LaRose was out for a week or two, and then as soon as he came back, Baker went out on the sidelines. So you'd be missing one of those two guys, and Jeremy Langlois also. That's a lot of punch missing on the back end. So the 20-year-old defenseman that has been in the lineup has been counted on a lot, and also Logan Kelly Murphy has blocked hundreds of shots this month, it seems like. So it'll be good to get the uh, corpse hopefully uh, back up and ready to go. I, I don't know if, if we were to start in two weeks, if they would all be ready to come back, all the players that were hurt. But, you know, hopefully uh, some of them will get the chance to heal up. I know they were kind of looking forward to the opportunity to do so. I mean, obviously, there'll still be practices and whatnot. But, it's uh, you know, if, if something like this has to happen, I guess this is as good a time as any for the Eagles. I guess any time there's, uh, there's injuries or there's a chance for, you know, these call-ups to – you know, the structure stuff and, and, you know, they, they didn't, uh, I guess they took advantage of that opportunity, you know, Kean Bell and, and Trey Sturge and, you know, all these, these kids, you know, scoring as call-ups. What were your impressions of, uh, of these young guys? Well, what's interesting is pretty much all the guys that called up were players that weren't at training camp in the tra- uh, traditional sense. I'm trying to remember if Kean Bell was there or not. I think he was, but Trey Sturge and Michael McQuaid were players that we traded for. So they didn't have the opportunity to come to camp. Sturge scores, as you said. McQuaid has played, I think, seven straight games now with the Eagles. So he's basically become a regular defenseman. So I think, in a way, it's been training camp for those guys. So I think it's been it's been good. I mean, it's this you know you don't want to see anybody hurt, obviously, but it's been the silver lining, the fact that those guys are getting a chance to audition, and you know it's going to make decisions tougher where these guys have played so much at, at this level already. I mean, Key and Bell, you know, you see the offensive flashes. He's leading the Nova Scotia under 18 league in scoring. And you wonder, you know, doing that at 17 is one thing, but you're seeing like small glimpses that he could transfer that to the Q game. And even a guy like uh, James Beaton, who wasn't drafted, 17-year-old free agent comes out of, again, the U18 league, didn't look at a place when he was called up. Unfortunately, ends up taking a penalty that leads to a big goal, but, you know, that was not from a lack of effort. So, yeah, no, definitely uh, these guys are kind of putting themselves further in the conversation for roster spots next year. And as I said, it's a, a nice uh, silver lining to a not pleasant situation. Um, we had you on in the preseason. We were talking about uh, the goaltending battle. Um, and, you know, it, through the preseason, they kind of split the time. Um, I guess just your take on the two goaltenders. I know Grimard was hurt for a little bit, but no one's really taken that crease like people thought maybe Grimard would. Just give us your take on on your your young rookie in, in Ruccia. Uh, Ruccia, he's been great for a 16 year old. I mean, you know, obviously you're not going to get you're not going to ever get a consistent 16 year old, and not 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 ever, but it's extremely extremely rare. Right. So I think for a first round pick, he's been 
everything you could ask. And even games, even a game like the last one where he allowed three goals on 23 shots, you look at it, ah, that's not that great. But if you actually watch the game, you're like, oh, those weren't bad goals. So he's he's had a couple of rough games, but that's going to happen for a goaltender at 16. He's He's been great. And I think William Grimard, William Grimard's story's kind of been, he's always been on the verge. And then just when you think this guy's really kind of cementing himself, then something will happen. But to his credit, he did uh, reel off a nice set, set of games there just kind of prior to before we were shut down. And maybe this is going to be another situation where once he gets his momentum going, it's stalled because of the restart. So he might be somebody that actually doesn't benefit from this. But, you know, I, based on what we saw the last few weeks, his play was very good as well. So, you know, we knew goaltending you know, wasn't going to be a, a super strength of this team, but we certainly have seen a good games from both of them and kind of, you know, based on what you could expect, I don't think there's too much disappointment in that regard. And, you know, Ruchia for sure is, uh, is is looking great for the future, although he's going to be pushed now after the team uh, went out and got Remy De La Fontaine at the trade period. So that'll be an interesting story to watch too. You know, so, uh, being a Wildcats fan, you, uh, myself, you know, we've had a lot of time to uh, sit down and watch these, uh, these these Q games. And, and one player on the Eagles that I think has really stood out for me is, is Nathan LaRose. Uh, he's, I think he's really taken a really huge step forward, uh, you know, over a point a game uh, this season. What's What's been – uh, what's really got him to where he is right now uh, from, you know, the night where Zach Alshorn take a, took him out of his underwear for, uh, for his first Q goal. Well, you know what? The big thing with Nathan has been as that he's been able to make these steps forward offensively while getting better in his own end. Because yeah, the jury was kind of when he came to Cape Breton, this is a guy who's got some raw offensive talent. We don't know if he can, you know, be the complete 200-foot guy. But he's really stepped in in that response in that respect. You see him blocking shots more. See him on the penalty kill as a fixture, and he just lives to score goals as well. I think it mostly Larose. We see a little bit with Baker too. The coaches said no when I've asked them about this, but just from an observational point of view, I do see the two of them driving the offense more after the top line got traded out. So you know, sometimes you're you know generally your center might lead the rush, but sometimes you'll see those two guys doing it and, and not you know they're both good enough that they can get back to position right. So that that's been really exciting to watch. I mean, when he was acquired by the Eagles, Alex Drover's a first round pick, and the Eagles trade him for Larose, and you're wondering, well, that's kind of a steep price. And you know, I certainly hope Drover has a really good Q career, and it seems like he's turning it around to Ramuski, which is good to see, but. You, you kind of start to see now why Marc-Andre Dumont made that trade. Like, oh, okay, he saw he saw what could be in Nathan LaRose. And I just hope it's not too late for him to see some pro opportunities. I don't know if he'd be in university next year, but, you know, if you're a scout, you know, certainly you'd have to at least give the guy a look. He's John Hanna, the assistant general manager, was on with me at the intermission the other day. He's a, he said he's a bit of an unconventional player, and he might have to rein the offense in a little bit. But in terms of what works at this level, he is outstanding. And obviously the team thought there was a value to him helping the development of its youth, youthful players. Cause I'm sure there were some strong offers for him. I can't imagine why a contender wouldn't want to have him in their lineup. Um, looking, I mean, we haven't had John since preseason, so we kind of go over the trade deadline. I guess the big trade was Dawson stairs coming over from, uh, from St. John for Ryan Francis. Just uh, talk about what Dawson stairs has brought to, to the organization. Oh, he's been fantastic. He has a, a point in all every game, but one, you know, he's, you know, he's not a defensive liability by any stretch, but he, you know, this is an off an offensive first player and he's been great in that dimension. It's just kind of similar to what we were just talking about with Alex Drover. St. John had so many guys in that same age range. It was probably tough for them all to get opportunity. So now that they're kind of getting free and, you know, spread out around the league, you're starting to see what they can do. 
and obviously he's getting top line ice time. He can cape around that he wouldn't get in other places, but he's you know not looking at a place like you know, the line with uh, him and Hager Diobin and uh, Perry has been really good the last little while. And Hager Diobin has really taken his game up since being put on the line with stairs. So not only is Dawson a player that uh, can contribute himself, but he also seems to bring up other players and just a, a real sharpshooter. Like he's once he gets the puck, you just you, you don't want to be in front of that shot because it's uh, it's hard and it's very precise. So what he he's doing up front, what Larose is doing on the blue line, which has uh, been fun to watch for us. So I guess just my my final question. Um, you know, I always like the behind the scenes kind of stuff, and you know, as as the Wildcats get into what's going to be their March season, um, just I guess what do these players have to go through? on a day-to-day basis as well as, you know, with all the testing and, you know, protocols and being on the road, just give us a sense of what fans can expect these players are going to have to go through uh, to, to play these games to give us a little bit of normalcy. Well, it's interesting. I, I'm not at the rink as much because of just the new protocols and such. So it used to be if I was going to bank a few interviews with the Eagles players, I'd go to the rink one day and maybe interview two or three guys. So I'm not seeing the full picture by not being at the rink for practice, which is, of course, just another byproduct of all the changes we've seen. For sure. It's probably not as different as people think, but I, I think people m- might be surprised by the mask obedience, for example. Like I was saying, I'm not kidding. On the bus, people might think, oh, yeah, they're behind the scenes. They're just going to do what they want. No, like, do the guys start wearing masks and they're wearing masks walking around in the arena when they're not practicing? And the thing is, uh, PEI obviously was very, uh, you know, particular when they agreed to allow the Eagles and Mooseheads to come play in January. You have to be tested when you go over to PEI. You're isolated in your hotel, so you, you know can't just frivolously go or whatever. So it's, I, I think in a way, just kind of the compact nature of Major Junior makes it as such. So it maybe wasn't as big of an adjustment as it could have been because these guys are so kind of scheduled as it is. You know, practice, study session, sleep go to the game so maybe it's not as much different but of course you know the testing is 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 not fun so you know you have to fill out the app every day on your phone you know make sure you have no symptoms and whatnot but you know maybe not as different but i'm sure if you were to ask the players (laughs) it would be another story but i think another thing too for us we've got a team with a lot of young guys and rookies and i think the comment has been made it's been a bigger adjustment for a lot of the veterans because they already had you know an image in their mind of what junior hockey is whereas you know, if you think about jumping from U18 to, to major junior in a normal year, there's a lot of things that are going to be different that you have to get used to. So for rookies, this COVID stuff is just another new thing that they're learning along with everything else. So it's it's definitely been different, but maybe maybe not as different as people might think. That's interesting. So we'll just wrap it up a little bit here, Pat. I don't have a question for you, but, uh, <laughs> you know, if you listen to last week's show, I went on a bit of a rant uh, towards the New Brunswick government, and and you know it seemed to it seemed to work, uh, because you know we're we're optimistic here in New Brunswick where we can potentially start playing some games next week. So what I'll do, uh, I feel bad for the Eagles not being able to play. So uh, I'll reach out to the government. I'll use my uh, my connections here <laughs> to see if we can get you uh, you and the team in the province here for uh, for a couple games in the in the coming weeks. Well, well Premier Rankin's only been in office for a little while, so regardless of political <laughs> affiliation, I don't know. I don't know if you want to be easy on the guy because he just got in, but uh, you pull whatever strings uh, you need to to uh, to do, I guess, to get us back on the ice. Now, which so, province is that that you're gonna 
pull strings. Well, well, I'll talk to both. And you know what, <laughs> Mr. Rankin and myself, we uh, we do have a, a little bit in common. We're both graduates of Holland College. Uh, shout out to the island there. So, uh, you know, him and I, uh, we actually did go to Holland College at the same time. Uh, he was in golf club management and I was in hotel and restaurant <laughs> management. So, uh, you know, we've got a bit of a connection there. So I'll, uh, I'll give, uh, you know, I'll give the rookie a call and see what I can uh, see what I can do. And it doesn't at all make me feel old that the premier is younger than I am. There's nothing strange about that whatsoever. Everybody has a potential to, to throw your name in politics there, Pat. You know. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Well, in all seriousness, though, I don't know if, if having a history with PEI would make uh, him more inclined to want to get things going. But I'll tell you this. It'll be interesting to see how long the hiatus, as it were, because I was looking at the Wildcats schedule, and I thought that's not too bad because you're going to play the other two teams twice. That's not That's not bad. But I think once you reach the end of that, like we were starting to hit it in our rink, like the mm-hmm. fatigue of seeing the same two teams over and over again. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how long it lasts because, you know, it's great to be playing. But uh, certainly uh, at, when you see the same opponent, is, you know, you're starting to know the other team's fourth line as well as your own top line. So it's uh, just another one of those things that's been different about this season for sure. Yeah, it's not uh, – we're just so happy to get back to the rink. We were like, yeah, we don't care if we're playing the same teams over and over. And I think if we get to the middle of April and it's still the same teams, we're like, we can open that bubble now at any point. If you guys just want to – or <laughs> The average know. person gets a lot greedier faster yeah. than they give themselves yeah. credit. Hockey nerds are like, yes, I can focus on this guy. I'll know everything. The average person's like, I'm not going to see that team again. That's, <laughs> and that's the thing in, like, when the yeah, full nothing, division's nothing going, that's tough. for yeah. sure, but uh, – Hey, they only finally got started in the WHL, and we're still waiting on the uh, OHL, so things could be a lot worse. That's very true. Well, you have a well-deserved night off, so we appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with us, and uh, hopefully you're back calling games before you know it. Yeah, always fun. Thanks, guys. And and people people may not remember this, but I know obviously the Maritime Division was fully open, but the Eagles and Wildcats never played each other this year, but you're the only team we didn't get to see, so hopefully that that gets rectified by season then. Yeah, and if not, uh, it'll just be another statistical anomaly to what is the weirdest season that's ever happened. (laughs) No question about that. All right, well, thanks, guys. Keep on keeping. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Have a good night. It's always good to to catch up with Pat. He's always full of... Little statistical fun facts. Yeah, and uh, again, I'd like to uh, say a special thank you to whomever it was within the Cape Breton Eagles organization that allowed Pat McNeil to come on our show. Yes, no, we always appreciate uh, anyone that allows uh, people from organizations to come on our show to enhance our show, if you will. Um, It is funny, though. I did forget that we hadn't played them at all. I also forgot. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. About, I I definitely did forget about that one. And we haven't seen, like I said, we haven't seen Halifax here. We've been to Halifax, but we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen Halifax here yet. So who knows if we will? <laughs> um, you know what? We've got a little bit of Wildcats hockey to talk about. So let's get into the rewind. Weekly rewind. Like I said, there's not a lot to go over, but the the Wildcats finally put some content out for the fans. Uh, They gave us a sneak peek. Uh, They've been doing skills competition where I'm assuming they filmed it all in one night and they're bringing it out an event every week. I haven't caught a lot of it. Uh, I watched the concourse shootout and I watched the goalies dryer shootout. I think tonight or last night they had the little bicycle race. Yes. And then tonight I think is the fastest skater, which if that's not, Loshing, I will be absolutely shocked. <laughs> like, um, yeah, and then they had the five on five scrimmage that they showed us on February 27th. Uh, White took that five three goals from Stammer. Hudson had two, Loshing and DeYoung. <laughs> 
Red had the goals from Daniel and Tristan Sanchez, who was a call-up. Um, it's funny. I kind of had to have the website open with the numbers. Me too. Because, A, you couldn't really see the names. You can't, like As you get going, um, and you know, be, I've been here for two, three years, you, you know the guys that were here before. You know the way they skate. You know the way they play. You're learning a whole new team. If we'd have had a regular season, you'd know the way the guys skate. You'd know kind of little things to pick up. I, a couple times, had to have, like, when Stammer scored, I'm like, 26, 26, 26. That's uh, just going to bring And it feels bad, but you got to bring up the website because it's been four months since we've had hockey. Uh, thoughts on the scrimmage? I mean, I was excited to see Philly on. He played all right. You kind of forget that, A, he's 16, and, B, he hasn't played hockey all year. Yeah, yeah. So he made some great saves, and he'll be a goaltender that – will grow into this and just when we see him play if something goes wrong pump the brakes he's 16 it was like lava it's the same kind of thing he's 16 but you can see he's going to be quite a good goaltender in, in this league uh you know loging fastest kid alive yeah he's getting there <laughs> uh yeah he, he looks like he's on a different a uh, whole different level right now uh you know part of part, part of me wonders if it's because he you know he stayed here in Moncton over Christmas and, you know, didn't go home. So he got yeah. that ice time, right? Didn't yeah. have to quarantine. So he was on the ice. He's, he's got a bit of a advantage on the other, on these other players. You can't take much away from this scrimmage because I mean, let's be honest, they were going full tilt. Uh, they were going, you know, they were going I'd balls probably out. say 70% oh, they were going. There was, it was close, you know, it wasn't a hundred percent. But there was this, this one goal where, you know, I sent you the video of it. Yeah. It was a wrist shot of his where I don't think any goalie in the league would have stopped it. Uh, it was uh, penciled for the top shelf, and it was an absolute rocket. Um, so that's, uh, you know, I kind of like – I forget what, what's that play called where it just, he doesn't come off the off, his off wing, but he's uh, – anyways, you kind of saw the play developing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, if, if, uh, if he's in that spot – Top of the you know top of the faceoff dot or you know hash, coming off the half wall the there. half wall yeah. that you know let it rip you know he's going to score ten of goals I think from that uh, uh, from that spot. Uh, other than that, like look, uh, Barbashev is tall. Barbashev, yeah, he, he had some good moments. He had a couple, and again, it's seventy percent. You know, I was excited to watch it, dig in, see what kind of systems they're running. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, he had a couple plays where he just kind of tried to back pass a few times. And a couple times it worked, a couple times it got picked off, and you're just like, once he learns the game and kind of takes that out. But he was big. He held the puck when he had it. Um, you can see when he gets used to the game, mm. he's going to be a little bit of a force. You see the potential. Yep. Uh, you know, there's a couple couple moments there. Like there was another goal where I forget who scored it, but uh, to me, look, it was called a goal. It was probably would have been offside <laughs> in, in a real game. But the fact he literally did the splits to try to stay onside in a scrimmage, come on, that's uh, that's good effort right there. So uh, I got to give him full marks for that. You know, his foot speed, you know, just isn't there yet. You know who he kind of reminds me of from a really over-the-top hot take, way too much expectation? He's kind of like Dreisaitl. He's a big body. He can, he can shield guys from the puck. His foot speed isn't like – Drysaddle doesn't have the foot speed to compete with McDavid and all that, but he's a big body. He's smart with the puck. Mm-hmm. You know, he can grow into that type. And I'm not saying he's that type of player, but that's just kind of the no the mold that you can get, like mm-hmm. a big power forward. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, if his foot speed can, if he ca- if it catches up, you know, I'd love for him to stay in Moncton for the summer uh, to train and, you know, get that ice time and, you know, work out, uh, you know, I don't know if it'll happen. Uh, you know, maybe he goes down to the States and, and lives with Ivan again. Who You know, that'll work too for training yeah, and yeah. ice time. Right. You, tra- you train daily. Tra- sorry. Well, what the hell happened there? <laughs> uh, head- headset almost fell off. Uh, yeah. Train daily with an NHLer. Uh, you can't, you yeah. can't go wrong with that. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge wish. I mean, love for him to stay in Moncton uh, or, or, you know, I'm sure he trains with his brother anyways, but uh, you know, to, to, to be able to get that, intensity off the ice uh would be a huge benefit to him for sure uh my favorite goal was the the second hudson goal that loshing basically went around everyone yes that you sent me mm-hmm. and took everyone with them and hudson was standing right there and you would send me a few things the the day of i was busy um but the the hudson penalty on ISN's. Oh, I don't know what he was doing there, man. <laughs> I don't know if he's just head try- off. But. Yeah, I don't know if he's just kind of grabbing him and trying to turn, and his momentum took him. That was a serious clothesline. <laughs> man, took his head off. Holy jeez! Probably owed him an ice cap after yeah. trying to take his head yeah. off. But yeah, I, don't know. I watched it again, watching it again. I was like, "What were you doing?" <laughs> that was that was different. Glad they called the penalty on that one. Yeah, no, it was a, it was nice to see the team playing five on five and getting a gauge a little bit of what this team, and it'll be interesting to see how they put the lines together. Um, Cause again, the, the lines that they're playing with aren't the guys they were going, they went five on five. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. It's on the Moncton Wildcats YouTube page. Uh, they went five on five for two periods and then they went three on three and then they went into a kind of a shootout cause they ended up tied after the three on three, but let's get to everyone's favorite part of the show. Eric Murray realty, buy a house from him. Stick tap of the week. Oh, this one's an easy one. Uh, a very, a very, very easy one. I didn't have to do much research for this one. Um, so we're gonna have a stick tap of the week. Stick tap of the week uh, to Jonathan Henry, uh, Wildcats. I think assistant equipment manager, uh, winning the uh, curling day in Canada contest with over eleven thousand votes. Uh, trip to the twenty twenty two Briar. Uh, you know, when I first saw this story, I, I read all the you know. He was. Uh, he didn't have that many votes, uh, and then you saw Neil Hodge pick up the story. You saw the Wildcats tweet about it, um, so it got some. Uh, it got a little more um, social media presence. We'll, yep. we'll call it that. Um, so I think uh, that's what uh, you know. That's what community can do uh, to win uh, when when you need. Uh, you know, when you're trying to, I guess, win something or. The community, the community will step up and have your back, and uh, I think that's what uh, I know. I put my vote in, uh, and I'm sure everybody listening had put their vote in. So, congratulations, Jonathan. You know, you're, uh, you know, we everybody knows you at the rink, and this is going to be a great, uh, a great experience for you. Uh, if you if you need a plus one, I'm sure you'll take your, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure uh, Peter Shirley will come along, but uh, you know, I'm always, uh, I'm always available if you, uh, you know, want to take me to the briar with you. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing some curling because it's. You look, listen, the Scotties just ended. Um, the Briars yeah. coming up. They're still doing a Briar, Friday. right? Yeah, so they're in the Martin McVale Center in Calgary for two months. So they got the Briar that or the Scotties that just went for ten days, um, and then they've got the Briar that starts Friday for ten days or whatever, and then they've got uh, a mixed doubles event. There's some news that the Women's Worlds could be coming there because I mean. Carrie Anderson won it last year in February. Didn't get to go to the Worlds because it was shut down. Mm. Um, so I mean, she's won it back to back years, and hasn't uh, hasn't even got to compete in the world. So there is some talk uh, 
of the worlds coming to Calgary to that bubble. If you want more information, if you want to know, uh, follow Devin Haru on Twitter. Oh, all right. And yeah, uh, the Briar is being held in Lethbridge. So I did live in Lethbridge for uh, just over a year. So if you do need a plus one and Jeremy's not available, I, I do know Lethbridge quite well. Um, the Stick Tap Week, sponsored by Eric Murray Real Estate with the Remax Avante team. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the greater Moncton or surrounding area, make sure to check him out on social media or give him a call at 506-863-8802. No Cat of the Week this week, although we are getting close to actually having Cats of the Week from actual hockey games. Just please get us to yellow but that's going to do it for this week i'll give a i'll give an honorable mention for a stick uh, a cat of the week if i could you can uh so i'm gonna do an honorable mention to uh wildcats prospect jake rossi um so his uh, i guess i don't call it season uh <laughs> the cchl is calling it developmental scrimmage action well, that's different uh, that's interesting so it's a different words uh so yeah um they started early in the early last year uh, you know, in the October range, and they got shut down. They just started back up. Um, five points in seven games uh, for, uh, you know, a 16-year-old playing junior A is, is pretty good. Uh, he's So he's suiting up with the Cornwall Colts of the uh, CCHL, so that's Ontario Junior A. Um, so if anybody wants to uh, keep track of his uh, progression, that's where you'd find him. Uh, so usually they play in every, uh, every weekend. Uh, they played Friday night. He had a three-point night Friday night, a goal and two assists. Saturday afternoon, didn't hit the score sheet, but he did get uh, a game of Skondak for checking from behind. Um, so, yeah, hey, look, a little, uh, you know, showing off that intensity, uh, which <laughs> is what you want to see. You can put the puck in the net, a little yeah, bit of intensity. exactly. You're, you're going for that uh, that complete player, right? So, yeah, honorable mention as uh, Cataluic will go to uh, prospect Jake Rossi. I like that. We did it two weeks ago with, uh, with Justin Katz, so. That uh, we'll put him on there, and hopefully he's here next year. So, uh, but yeah, that'll do it for this week. Uh, thanks to everyone for downloading, and joining us. Big thanks to Pat McNeil uh, for joining us to chat about the Eagles and the new hockey life that, like I said, the Cats are getting ready to embark on. Um, I guess we'll see you next week. I can say we'll see you next week, and we will have preview of actual hockey games as the Wildcats get set to host the Titan and the Sea Dogs. Thanks again. Stay safe. See you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wildcast Podcast. Follow us on social media at Moncton Wildcast.